Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this new day. We thank you for all of us gathering together here. Father, we thank you for the snow that's out there and how it comes, Lord. It's so silent. We pray that uh, we would be ready for your return. As I think about that silence in Bethlehem that night, they were sleeping and unaware of the birth of Jesus Christ. How that snow just comes, you don't even hear it. How it stills the noise of the world around us. Help us to be sensitive to your return. Help us to be ready and found faithful. Lord, help prepare all the hearts and minds and souls here this morning. Those that know you, to grow a stronger and personal relationship with you, to hear that inner voice. To choose today, as that song said, today is the day I'll serve the Lord, me and my house. Lord, help those that might be here this morning that you have guided their path to this church, that they would desire to know you, to accept you, to believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Help them to understand. Help me to speak with clarity over this passage and help others to to understand and have the wisdom to apply it to their lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Happy New Year to all of you here this morning. And I have a question. Have you managed to start reading the Word of God? Have you opened up your Bibles in the beginning of the year in Genesis and ready to go the whole year through the Word of God? I hope you have accepted that challenge. As I said last week, um, Henry Nowen wrote this, setting our hearts on something involves not only serious desire, but also determination. A spiritual life requires human effort. Did you overcome the forces that might have told you that you don't have the time to do this? You're too busy. I've read it once before. I've read it a couple of times, many years ago. Were you strong in the Lord to open the Bible and get started? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. This is your, this is your armor here. You need to know what the Word of God says to be able to fight against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the, the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. To be able to do that, you have to know what the Word of God says. You have to be ready to fight back. Remember, God wants to show you what He can do in you, for you, with you, and through you. That's what He's wanting. That's His desire. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. His Holy Spirit dwells in you. And He is wanting to show you what He can do in you, with you, for you, and through you. Jesus is saying, follow me, and we will change people's lives. It is your choice. It requires discipline, endurance, perseverance, and a desire to do it. You need to be in the Word to hear that inner voice. Practice, the practice of spiritual discipline makes 
us more sensitive to the small, gentle voice of God, says Henry Norman. Remember last week we looked at Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12, and verse 12 says in the New King James translation, after the fire, a still, small voice came. The NIV translation says, came a gentle whisper. Are you hearing this voice? So let's open. Our Bibles, let's look at our Bibles, and we're going to read from verses 25 to verse 38, and read along with me, and open your hearts, prepare your hearts for communion here. Examine yourself as we look at the Word of God here. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. And as and his father and mother were amazed. Think about that. They were amazed. What on earth is going on? Do you remember how young Joseph and Mary are holding this baby? Here they have this man standing there. What on earth is going on? Who is this man? At the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of of Jerusalem. What on earth is going on here? This week was a really difficult week for me. And as it got to Friday, Diane asked me, what's the title of your sermon? And my whole week was, what on earth is going on here? And as I was spending time again with Joseph and Mary, can you imagine this young couple? Picture it. And you have this older man, who must have been quite intimidating for them, standing there, taking their child, and declaring this before them. I love how Mary keeps pondering. In chapter 1, verse 29, and again in chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart pondering what was taking place in her life. Think about what's happening. Allow yourself to get there, be there, be that age. I find myself doing the same thing. The wow, the mouth open and the words not coming out. What on earth is going on? Many years ago when the Lord put on our hearts to leave Zimbabwe and go to Ireland, after a couple of weeks of being there, I was really starting to get a little bit anxious and concerned about how I was going to be able to continue there. 
And after spending my quiet time with the Lord and then praying, I prayed and asked God to help me understand how I could be a husband, a dad, and find a job in a first world country. As we had arrived there with nothing. And after I prayed and got up off my knees, the host that was hosting us there said, come, we'll go to town and buy some rugby tickets. So as we went out the door and we got to the gate, it just so happened that there was a man coming along the road. His name is Mac, a missionary from America, who just so happened to live two doors. Out of the whole place of Dublin in Ireland, I arrived two doors from a man who's been living there seven years. There's no such thing as it just so happened. It's God's providence in planning all of this. There he was, right at that timing that I'm coming to the gate. And as we spent time together and him helping me grasp things that I was struggling with, he landed up baptizing Linda and I. And at his farewell sermon, he stood up and he said, My wife and I have realized we've been here seven years in Ireland. And before we met Wayne and Linda, we were at a point discussing what on earth did we come here for? We've accomplished nothing. But he said, I'm standing up here today realizing the reason I came here was to wait seven years for Wayne and Linda to come. Because once he had done what he did with us, he was taken away, like the story in Acts chapter 8. All the promises in Scripture will certainly be fulfilled, and we've seen already some being fulfilled. The faithful God, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Now therefore, that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God. And as I was pondering over that and thinking about that, it took me to Lamentations in chapter 3 verses 20 to 26, and I'd like to read that to you. It's like a poem, a beautiful poem. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. When you're reading through the word of God, are you absorbing words like this? Words of hope, wait, silently. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he, is also, he will also bring it to pass. A promise for you to be brave and courageous to what he is calling you to do. The word of God speaks and brings so much comfort whilst we journey on. We need to bear, we need to hear that still small voice. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be trusting Him. Your faith needs to grow. To see ourselves that God does, and as you're going through the Word of God, you'll see how God keeps His promises. If you've started in Genesis, like I have again, you'll see how God is promising Abraham, Sarah, so many things, a child, even to a point where Sarah is in the back of the tent and laughs. Do we laugh at some things we hear what God is saying and doing in around our lives? That seems impossible, but we've been told. Gabriel told Mary, nothing is impossible for God. We see God promises Israel the land of Canaan. They received it. 
All of God's promises to Israel have not failed. All come to pass, and there is more that will still come to pass through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, it says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God is going to accomplish what he has recorded in the word of God. Remember again what Gabriel told Mary in Luke chapter 1 verses 32 and 33. It says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. This is the God we are serving. This is the God that's calling upon us. He wants to work through us. We have read about in Luke's gospel that even though Israel abandoned God, we see there's always a small believing remnant in Israel who will prepare and wait and recognize Jesus when he arrived. Throughout the Old Testament, you see how God gets angry with his people, with Israel. He warns them, if you do this, this will happen. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. And it happens. But there's always a remnant left behind. We see Zacharias and his barren wife Elizabeth give birth to John the Baptist. And now, Luke is introducing us to two more believing remnants and are waiting patiently for the coming promise of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They've heard the still, small voice. They are there to testify to the infant Jesus, to his true identity, his mission, and his purpose. Simeon and Anna, advanced in years, looking for the consolation of Israel. In the context of this word, consolation, it comes in as comfort, encouragement for Israel. Simeon's name means God has heard. Think about the story. Think about how these two are waiting patiently for the Lord. They believe everything they have, which is what they had at that time in the Old Testament. They don't have the whole inspired word of God that, like we do. We know what's coming. What they have, they believed, and they're waiting for it to be fulfilled. Look at verse 25 with me again. It says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous. Righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Righteous, to say that he was righteous is putting him in the same position as Abraham. If you started in the Old Testament, the beginning of the Bible, you're going to come across Abraham fairly shortly. And this man is what we build our faith around. Wait till you see how this man walks with God and what God requires of him. And his faith comes through powerfully. In Genesis 15, 6, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. What about devout? Has the meaning of cautious in classical Greek. This word appears only in Luke's writings, and Luke is using this to describe those that are reverent toward God, God-fearing. It conveys the idea of being careful to obey and honor God, so as to lead a life that glorifies God before others. 
When you get into the Old Testament, yeah, and you read about God and what He has accomplished, what He's done with these men, you should desire to have this faith like Abraham. To be ready to be trusted by God. Simeon, if you look at it, is set apart. He's sanctified here. Look with me at verse 26 and 27. It says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he, he, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry it out for him, the custom of the law. So there's a picture there on the screen of Jerusalem in the temple. And I encourage you to look over Christmas at that DVD of the Nativity film. Allow yourself now to be there at the bustle and the chaos and the organizing and everyone coming to worship God, sacrifices coming up the temple there. How did Simeon find them in all of that? Think about it. Here's this young couple. Picture that too. How young they are with their baby. Simeon believed in what was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was waiting for the coming Messiah to bring about the national deliverance, the promised Davidic and Abraham covenants. He's going to the temple all the time. How did he find excuse me, Mary and Joseph? Think about that. It's not a coincidence. It reminds me of a time when I went in, uh, in Germany... I met a man that uh, was following me around in this restaurant as I was sharing with the, with the staff that I was working with there. And he kept eavesdropping my conversation and being around me. Every time I looked, here he was. It was kind of creepy, and I didn't know what to do with this man. Anyway, he got to the point of inviting me to come to France. And I kind of wanted to get rid of him and sort of didn't know what to do with him. But he was insistent. Everywhere I went, he followed me and said, You must come to France. Come stay with my family. I didn't know who this man was. Anyway, some time passed and I told Linda about him and he never gave up emailing me, texting me. He got all my details from someone and kept inviting us to Ireland. And then we had to go to Berlin or I think it was Munich or something for a a water and wastewater show, one of the biggest in Europe. There's thousands and thousands of people come daily to this show. We caught our taxi. Linda was with me and we traveled there and we caught our taxi to this show and there was... I don't know, 80, 90 yellow German taxis along this road and many doors to enter the show. We get out of our taxi and guess who's standing at the top of the steps? This Frenchman. How did he know I would be there? And we realized that God wanted us to be there. We went and what an amazing, amazing thing that took place in France. It wasn't a coincidence. He just happened to pick that spot that where we stopped. Picture it. Think about it. How this all comes about. This was a distressing time for Israel as well. They were under occupation and hated by the Romans. It was not easy to be a believer in such a time. The Gentile oppression was aggressive towards believers. It was not easy to walk a life of a God-fearing man then at that time. But we see here Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like we are today. That is, those that believe in the Son of God. But this is an interesting verse. To see that the Holy Spirit filled Simeon. 
As I thought about that verse and how important we've realized that at Pentecost they were filled with the Holy Spirit, made me think about how could this be? But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Great verse to remember, especially that last part, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Are we walking in what God has prepared for us in our lives? The Holy Spirit gives a unique power to us to understand, to have knowledge of what we are reading and the wisdom to live it out in our lives on a daily basis. He is equipping us for ministry, for evangelism. Simply put, to share Jesus wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say. Let's look at verse 26 again in 27. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of law. A revelation from God here. The Holy Spirit is revealing this to him. What a unique privilege this believer had. Knowing that must have, just knowing that he was going to see this before he died. But how does he accept a baby in the arms of two young teenagers? He believes, he really believes that inner voice and what it's telling him. This is the Messiah. He's waited all these years. What do you think he might have been expecting? But his response tells us how, what a man of God he is. We see for 40 days after Jesus' birth, Simeon came in the spirit to the temple and allowed, allow yourself, as I've been saying, imagine what Jerusalem was like. Everyone coming to sacrifice, to worship, and this couple come across Simeon. I don't think it's a coincidence. It is God's providence. Jesus Christ is there for him to make this announcement. Look with me at verses 28 to 33. Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is making this announcement in the Jewish temple. Think about what you're seeing here. All peoples. And then look at verse 32. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. He's proclaiming this. And the glory of your people, Israel. What on earth is going on here? And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. That is Jesus. Can you imagine that couple hearing this and the Jews that are around them? This man is proclaiming about the Gentiles. Imagine this man's delight. He is not inhibited in any way. He is, <laughs> he's been waiting a long time to go to be with God in heaven. He's not going to die till he sees this. He's proclaiming. Now he's throwing in the Gentiles as well. Incredible. Wow. God's promises have come true. Salvation had come to Israel, and it was in his hands. 
God was now releasing this servant, Simeon, to die. And he was excited about it. According to your word that was promised to Simeon by the Holy Spirit, he is free to go. Jesus did not come to save his people from his enemies, but from their sins. Simeon's next statement must have hit hard to those listening to Simeon. Surrounded by Jews, and his focus is shouting out in capitals there in your Bible, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. I can only imagine the faces of the Jews around him. He's been going to the temple all this time. What is this man saying, Gentiles? This was not realized for a long time. Even after the resurrection, the apostles didn't understand. Here we are with a young loving couple with their baby, Joseph and Mary, seeing and hearing all of this. And look what it says next in verse 33. And his father and mother were amazed at all the things that were being said about them. They were holding the divine Savior in their hands. I was just looking around when I was visiting, meeting, and greeting the babies in that that are in our church here, holding a baby that is the divine Savior. But now he is saying for the Gentiles and Israel, this is the whole world is in his hands. Verse 34 says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed to the, for the fall and rise of many in Israel, a sign to be opposed. A sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So I want to ask all mothers here this morning, think about holding your baby and you're in this huge temple you're in, and this man, this strange man comes up and makes a statement like this. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. What do you think is going through this young lady's mind? What on earth is going on? Think about that statement as a mother that is holding a baby she just gave birth to 40 days ago. Maybe this was to prepare Mary so that it would not be a surprise to her that her son will be rejected and will be crucified. Jesus is to be believed and those that do not believe him will reject him. People need to realize that their destiny is determined on what they believe. What do you believe here this morning? It affects your destiny. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's no other place. It's your choice today. Jesus is to be believed and those that do not will reject him. People need to realize that their destiny is determined on what they believe. What do you believe today? Do you believe the story? You believe what's going on here. It's truth. It will change your life. People are going to stumble and fall over Jesus. They're going to stumble and fall over you. Why? Because you have Jesus Christ abiding in you. His Spirit is in you. If you get active, mobile, and you share Jesus Christ, you are, or what, this, what I'm saying here, you're going to, people are going to stumble and fall, or they're going to grab hold of what you're saying. And embrace it and want what you have. 
It's not going to be easy as time goes on for believers today. Please, all of you here today, do not let this opportunity pass by. Only the believing remnant will will rise to eternal life in heaven. Throughout the Bible, God has always kept a remnant. Even the prophet Elijah said, there's no more, that's it, I'm the last, they've killed us. What did God say? No, no, there's a remnant still. We're the remnant of believing in Jesus Christ. Simeon is quite graphic with Mary about her son and the pain and the grief she would suffer when he said to her, a sword will pierce even your own soul. Simeon says, the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. This is judgment. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. We're surrounded by this. But we are the light. Are you out there shining the light, speaking the truth of the Word of God? What a huge encounter for this couple. They're listening to this man saying all of this and they're just holding a little baby. Keep remembering how young this couple is. And just when that's just getting over, take a deep spiritual breath. We meet Anna in verse 36. Look with me in your Bibles. Here they are just getting over what Simeon is saying. And here comes, and it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. They don't have the, they, she never had the whole Bible. Look at the dedication, the commitment, the discipline. She never left the temple. She was fasting and praying for the coming of the Messiah. She believed what was recorded in the Old Testament. Do we really believe all of this, the whole book? Because what are we praying and fasting for now? Are we praying and fasting for his return, for the rapture? Do we remember that in our prayers? Are we longing, expectingly, waiting for that time? This remnant couple were. They believed the Messiah was coming, what was recorded in the Old Testament. Without a doubt. At that very moment, verse 38, she came up and began began giving thanks to God. A baby. She can see this is the Messiah. She just walks straight up and starts giving thanks to God. A baby. And look at what she goes on to do. And continue to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. 84 and she's out. Sharing the good news. Continued. Prophetess named Anna, the Greek for the Hebrew name Hannah, which means grace. Anna is characterized by two things, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Prophetess, God used her to speak his word. The Old Testament mentions five women who are called prophetesses. Miriam, who is the sister of Moses and Aaron. Deborah in the book of Judges. Huldah in 2 Kings, chapter, uh, 2 Kings chapter 22 and Nodiah in Nehemiah 
chapter, uh, chapter 6, but she was a false prophetess. In the New Testament, only the daughters of Philip were mentioned, and they were called prophetesses in Acts chapter 21. But there's no explanation beyond that point. Anna advanced in years, and she never left the temple. She spent her time serving in the temple night and day, fasting and praying. Prayers is often associated with fasting in Scripture, and fasting is self-denial that accompanies passionate prayer. How often do we want to get drawn closer to God and we want to fast and pray this passionate prayer to hear that inner voice? How challenged are you since we started speaking about this inner voice and the choice of Chris's first song, Choose Today to Hear the Word from God? Once again, in all the activity of the temple, we see God's timing. Anna finds Joseph and Mary and begins giving thanks to God for the baby Jesus. Wow, can you imagine what she must have felt after all this time, 84 years of praying for the coming of the Messiah, and she recognizes him as a baby? It's incredible. Anna continued to speak of Jesus to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I can see Joseph and Mary taking a moment and just looking at each other in the eye and going, what on earth is going on here? How do we understand this? We have the whole story, what's going to happen. How prepared are we for 2014? What changes are we going to make in our spiritual walk with God? Just remember, the Bible is was not complete at that time. We have the inspired word available. We know what's coming up next. Do we have the discipline to read it, to live it out? Should we be fasting and praying on Tuesday evening for our marriages, for our friends? I went to visit with Julie Huckabee with Linda yesterday. And I just didn't have the words. But you know what she said? I could never have gone through this and I cannot keep going through this without Jesus Christ in my life. Faith. She believes. She's not angry with God. We don't understand these things. But I, she's going to have such an impact wherever she goes. Have you met a Simeon in your life? How did someone just appear and start changing your life? God has so much for us and he wants us never to give up. Never to forget him. Never to doubt. As believers of Jesus Christ, we should be living the fullness of life that he has promised in the word of God. We should be praying, God, you said we will see greater things. Please, do greater things through me. I am your servant. I believe. And as the elders and deacons come together for communion, we're going to look at the communion table here. And as we think about this, and think about what baby Jesus grows up to do. How devout and disciplined are we as praying believers 
Are we looking expectantly for His return? Take this time to examine yourself, your heart and soul, where you are. Jesus asked us to remember His Supper with His disciples, and so we obediently do that. And Paul records for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 30, And as I'm reading this, please examine yourselves because the last part of the verses comes with a warning. And if you're not examined yourself and right with God, don't partake till you are. But use this time now. It says in verse 23, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body And the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if he eats and drinks, and eats and drinks, he eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. Verse 30 For this reason many among you are weak and sick, and a number asleep. So as the men come forward, Take this time to prepare your hearts and minds for communion with the Lord.